people they've exoticized the foreign alim fetishized they have with mm. utmost respect they have a famous masjid in England I'm not going to mention any names but they invited a, one of the top notch muftis and sheikhs of Saudi you know and to give a basic class on the fiqh of the Hanbali madhab tahara and whatnot and they invited a graduate of Medina master's graduate one of your British to translate this basic class and my jaw just dropped like why did you study 10 years in Medina just to be a translator for somebody in a basic Hanbali text Assalamu alaikum everyone welcome to this uh, special episode of the Islam Tournancy Unscripted podcast with myself Salman Bant and my co-host Umar Suleiman. Today we have uh, a special guest who is coming to interview us. His name is Sheikh Yasir Qadi. Dr. Yasir Qadi, mashallah. Welcome. Assalamu alaikum. You can give Umar a, a, a wide Long slide. distance, yeah. Wi-Fi, yeah. Mashallah. Uh, Sheikh Yasir Qadi is in town for the MEND event. Is that right? I'm trying to mend things, yes. Yeah, alhamdulillah. He's coming to UK to see what, you know, a superior kind of level of dawah really looks like. Isn't no, it? actually it's the fish and chips, but anyway. Okay. Yeah. Oh, mashallah. Mashallah. Uh, to get you uh, kind of warmed up, Omar has got a uh, little experiment here. I didn't tell you about this before. It's more Just of a quick fire question round. Just say whichever one comes to mind out of the options that I give you, yeah, Sheikh? Okay. Bismillah. And you, you won't be legally held to any. Uh, <laughs> okay. Tea or coffee? Both. Ooh. Is that All right. When it comes to tea, English or desi? Uh, English. Cappuccino or latte? Uh, neither. Americano. Mashallah, it's a very good choice. Black or white? It depends on my mood, but usually, usually black. Marshall, you just gone up in my estimation shit. <laughs> Hazelnut or pistachio? Neither. Sorry. What's your favorite? Cashews. No, oh, not even nuts. This is a gelato question. <laughs> <laughs> Cashews, yeah? All right. Cambridge or Yale? Obviously, Yale. Obviously. Well. Medina or Lazar? What was that? Buzzer? <laughs> <laughs> Medina al-Azhar I didn't hear anything <laughs> It's obviously Medina Again it's like <laughs> Mashallah Man United Liverpool Think very carefully Chef You've got to answer one Man United or Liverpool I have no clue What you're talking about Thank you very much Astaghfirullah <laughs> Mandi or Biryani Mandi uh, Depends bro <laughs> I'm sorry You're asking oh, really Difficult <laughs> questions <laughs> Really I know, Right now Mandi no. But maybe by tonight It'll be Biryani uh, All right. Your heart, um, your yeah, heart. It's, yeah, exactly. Your heart exactly. Said yes, yes. Monday before even thinking that yeah. says something. Yeah. Apple or Android? Apple. Oreo or Jaffa cakes? Say, <sighs> so what's a Jaffa cake? <laughs> Neither, bro. Really, no. It's just not not my style. You're you're this too British for me. Um, Oreo's mm. not British. Okay, Oreo's Nabisco. Yeah, but uh, well, I was gonna say custard creams or bourbon creams, but we thought we would try and make it bourbon. Bit. Really? Yeah. Okay. Is that halal bourbon? <laughs> <laughs> the creams are. I think anyway. bourbon is a drink. Yes. Uh, is it? Yes. Stuff, I wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. Okay. <laughs> okay. But he knew the bong's pretty good. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, What's a bong? <laughs> um, all right. Burgers or shawarma. Say what again? Burgers or shawarma? Oh, you see your accent. I, I thought you said beggars or shawarma. <laughs> like what? Where is the, the where is the contrast between beggars and shawarma? There may, there may be a very strong connection. <laughs> I was like, I the know. subconscious is coming out this year. The same as Mundi and biryani. It depends on my mood. I love burgers. I love shawarma. That's very it's, nuanced it's, answer, mashallah. It's I uh, I have my foot in both worlds, and there is no partisanship. Right? We have been warned against partisanship. 
for many years. Yeah. I'm sorry. Verily, we have. I was just talking about food. You guys have gone to another <laughs> level. But yeah, mashallah. All right. Um, still or sparkling? Still. Sadia Qatar. <laughs> Where are the crickets noise? <laughs> <laughs> I would like to perform Umrah. Yeah, I would also like to get a visa and walk out of the embassy and as I don't well. Don't want to so. go to jail. Okay, Hamda. Uh, apple pie, baklava. Apple pie. That's very clear. Sweets, <laughs> sweets, no question. The, the Western world wins. Do you perceive down. a bit of an ulterior motive and agenda behind Umrah's questioning? <laughs> yes, I do. American, cho- American chocolate or British chocolate? Neither. Belgium and Swiss. Nice, which is uh, kind of close British, to us. Yes, yeah. What? Excuse <laughs> me? <laughs> yeah, it is. Cadbury's versus Godiva or Lindt or anything. No way. Yeah, doesn't work that way. Same. On this scale, American chocolate is like Hershey's. Yeah, I agree with that. Actually, good. Yeah. Alhamdulillah. Uh, local moon sighting or global calculations? Astaghfirullah. <sighs> Am that I gonna walk out of the set now? Is that khalas <laughs> beyond the the barrier? No, no. Alhamdulillah. Okay. Ibn Taymiyyah or Imam Ghazali? That's an easy one. Uh, no, it's not actually. Okay. They are both a part of our heritage. I personally have more experience reading Ibn Taymiyyah. Uh, but the both of them are, they are what make Islam what Islam is in terms of its heritage. You cannot choose one over the other or else you have a very, very different, even Ibn Taymiyyah wouldn't be Ibn Taymiyyah if there hadn't been a Ghazali that he had to refute. Yeah, so Omar. Even Ibn Taymiyyah. <laughs> Is Ibn Taymiyyah because of people like Al-Razi and Al-Ghazali. So mm. this heritage of Islam is too rich for us to choose in this manner. But me personally, I have spent more of my life reading Ibn Taymiyyah and writing on Ibn Taymiyyah. But that doesn't mean that that is mm. because Al-Ghazali is not a figure that is worthy of also respect and study. MashaAllah. And the most important question, I saved it for last. Coke or Pepsi? Oh, Billah. <laughs> Neither. Neither. <laughs> you still drink that stuff here? No, I saw it in a museum. Evoca cola with yeah, a little yeah, bit of black seed oil. Yeah. Water, yeah. water so or fresh juice. Or sure. mango shake or this mango lassi, that's fine. Mm. I have stopped. Mojito? Mojito. <laughs> I have tried my Not best to stop driving. drinking fizzies. Good, mashallah. And, but you have a sparkling personality, so it makes it great. Sheikh. I thought just nice quick fire round, kind yeah. of uh, less into your psyche when you put on the spot. Yeah. I think it's a very much Thanks American. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. Do you have any questions for us now? <laughs> yes, I was talking about the joke of uh, anyway career that you have. That's okay. Okay. okay so no. <laughs> You're moving on swiftly. So uh, I was going to do another kind of activity, but uh, I thought it might be too uh, kind of risque, might be a bit offensive and. I will show you pictures of Sheikh Yasser Qadi at different points in his life and play Guess the Year. Guess the Year. That's pretty easy for me, actually. I know. You just look at the, the size of the beard and yeah, other things I'm of that sure. nature. Alhamdulillah. But I mean, you have kind of publicly, uh, somewhat publicly, had a kind of shift in some of your thinking. You know, some you, of my thinking? Yeah, I mean, uh, many people don't know, but Sheikh Yasser Qadi used to be on um, Windows. Right. Yes, and then you quite made quite a public toba. kind of toba, and, and yep. you, you were guided to, yep. to Apple. Can you tell us about that? It was a uh, phenomenal <laughs> shift of my life. Paradigm uh, shift. Paradigm yeah. shift completely. Uh, it was a systems operation shift. The whole paradigm. Uh, I was exposed to a mystical version of operations, mm. and initially I rejected any such claims of another mystical world. 
the world that had been born into was a pretty straightforward one, you know, clicks and whatnot. Just but black and white. Black and know. white, simple stuff, yeah. And slowly but surely, my friends began converting to a more spiritual understanding of mm. that world. And I kept on denying the inevitable, trying to uh, make sure that I don't fall prey to the suspicions of mm. another camp. But eventually, I immersed myself in another world and I tasted the sweetness of a completely different mystical mm. paradigm that cannot be expressed in words. It's just an experience. And I, 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 I agree. I had a similar kind of transition okay. myself. Alhamdulillah. Some people accuse us of just following our desires. That know, is true, but they haven't experienced what we have experienced. Yeah. That's the dhawq. Exactly. You, you know, that's, yeah. that's the, having the it taste. It takes a while for the kashf to come. Until, yeah. until the kashf comes, there's no hope. Yeah, subhanAllah. SubhanAllah. This podcast was not sponsored by Apple. Yeah. But if you'd like to sponsor oh, us, speaking about Apple, <laughs> <laughs> I got lost in the spiritual journey. He's talking somewhere. about he thought he was talking about Unix or something. <laughs> no, no, uh, Unix, Unix. We Unix. don't do Unix, bro. No, no, no. no, no. I mean, Linux, there is Linux. no, there is, there is no monasticism. <laughs> yeah. no, no. Just cut that out. Yeah, cut it out. Very good. Pun intended, Salman. <laughs> okay. God, your minds are stuff for a lot. I don't know what you're talking about. I was saying U N I X. Yeah. Yeah, so, but you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You also had another kind of change in some of your positions, or something less kind of uh, public, maybe, and that is your 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 shift from kind of Medina University life to Yale. Interesting mm. how you phrased <laughs> that shift. <laughs> I mean, you've had a few shifts. Right? I not see you're avoiding kind of some key words here. Yeah. Is that done on purpose? I, I don't know. There's some not just taboo topics. We don't um, want to put words in your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, do you want me to be yeah. facetious or superficial or funny or we serious? We like all of those. You like all of the above. The, that we totally know <laughs> the meanings of. Yeah. <laughs> all of the above. Very well. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I believe that the more that a person studies and the more that a person grows, inevitably they change their positions. I believe that to remain stagnated on the same views you had when you're 20, even if you reach the age of 40, 50 or 60, it really shows that you have not been studying. And the uh, person of truth is always willing to accept the truth wherever it comes from and whatever time of his or her life it comes in. And uh, I have no... Uh, qualms stating that in the last 25 years of studying Islam, alhamdulillah, I have been through many different phases and I do not regret any of those phases because I wouldn't be who I am had I not gone through those phases. I have no regrets of um, uh, the previous commitments I've held and inshallah I can honestly say that at every phase of my life I was sincere in wanting the truth. Uh, and I hope that inshallah that, that is demonstrated in my books and speeches throughout my life that at whatever convictions I held, I held them sincerely mm. at that time. And I expect myself to continue to grow. It is arrogance for me to assume, and I'm still in my early 40s, it is arrogance to assume that, khalas, I will never change until I'm 60, 70 years old. No, people change, views change, uh, ideas change. Uh, what you think is rajih marduh changes, your own research and your own experience. And I have a phrase that I've said many, many times, and that is experience teaches us what books do not and lived realities are different than booked realities. So a person yeah. who lives through life and who sees the impact of certain ideas and fatwas and, and trends of Islam, uh, so a person who sees uh, the, the impact of certain fatwas and ideas and trends is not the same as the one who is sitting in a room and just reading and reading and reading. And I think this is one of the fundamental differences yeah. mm. between a true 
researcher who, who wants to know the truth in its applied reality versus a theoretical researcher who's simply just thinking in abstract concepts. And this is actually quite an important question. I think, alhamdulillah, glad that you mentioned it, Sheikh, because I was going to ask you this. Would you say from your early positions after graduating from Medina and you coming back uh, to the West that you've learnt more or experienced more or been exposed to more or a combination of all of the above which has allowed you to apply what you knew or what you'd studied in a different way or have you actually learnt something that in some ways, for want of a better term, abrogates what you studied before? No, it's not an abrogation. It's a very deep concept and... I, I seek Allah's refuge from, from trying to sound elitist or whatnot because it, that is an accusation that I do understand it comes. The yeah, best we, way we get that a lot. Yes, yeah. I understand. <laughs> the best way that I can phrase this for those of you who studied physics is Newtonian physics versus Einsteinian physics. This is yeah. the best way that I can phrase it. Okay. That Newton's understanding of physics was great for its time. It was valid. It was applicable. But when Einstein comes along, he demonstrates that Newtonian physics only operates within a time and a frame and a space. And if you were to extrapolate to another dimension, pun intended with Einstein, yeah. you understand that Newtonian physics, while it's not wrong, it's also not fully right. Yeah. And you really need to understand Einsteinian physics to really understand what I'm saying about Newtonian physics. And it's difficult to explain to somebody still in doing GCSEs or whatnot, all of these different levels, right? You need to study for yourself and go beyond yourself. So there's no denying that the knowledge that I've been exposed to is of a different type. It's, it's, it's more, I call it, in, in, in it's, a, it's an usul of knowledge, it's epistemology. Yeah. What we study in the West is not what we study in the East. You know, there's no. I I I quote I quoted this anecdote and incident in my own life many times. One of the classes I took at Yale, uh, it was just my professor and me and one other student, three people in the whole graduate level class, mm -hmm. and the entire semester <coughs> was Fakhruddin al-Razi. That was the course called Fakhruddin al-Razi: His Lifetimes in Theology. Right? I remember, never forget this. It was just me, my friend. And the teacher walks into class. We're in the library because the class took place in the library, and he said, "Look." I have no idea about Fakhruddin al-Razi. You, Yasir, probably know more about Razi than I do. But we will now study how to study Razi. Okay. That blew me away. And for the rest of the semester, my jaw just continued to drop because he was right. He hadn't studied Razi the way that the books that I read not. But every week we did a different facet and we studied how to study. And all of us would do our research every week and come and present our findings. He would, like he would become a student in the class. All three of us are coming. Okay, so let's do the biography. First question, where do we get his biography from? And what are the biases of each biographer? And which era is each biographer writing in? And where did the biographer get the information about Al-Razi? Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden you go to a different <coughs> paradigm. It's no longer you just open up, you know, uh, Al-Zahabi or Ibn yeah. Kathir. But no, Al-Zahabi with utmost respect to him is coming from a different paradigm than Al-Razi. And whether you like it or not, there are biases sometimes that are pronounced, sometimes mm. there are. My point is these types of stuff, when you go over it for <coughs> years and years and years, you start rethinking through a lot of what you have been taught and studied. So it's not a question of right and wrong, really. That's a very two-dimensional yeah. way of looking at it. Of really. It's a question of nuances. It's a question of exploring more. And because of this, I mean... My position now is, is, is something that I do understand those still in Newtonian physics would really just automatically dismiss because it's too mythological, Einsteinian physics, let's say. But with my utmost respect, I believe that 
these creeds that we are wed to also have elements of human products in them. Mm. And just like most Salafis, I said the word, just like most Salafis fully understand that the madhabs of fiqh are human developments, right? Yeah. That the Prophet ﷺ was not Hanafi or Shafi'i or Maliki or, or Hanbali or Zahiri. That the Prophet ﷺ is above any of these strands. And these strands are trying to extrapolate the divine sharia. And all of them are essentially human products mm. attempting to get to the divine truth, right? I say with my utmost humility and respect, and I know this is not the time to go into detail, but frankly, the Sunni theological schools are very much akin mm. yeah. to these legal schools. The Prophet wasallam did mm. not come with Aqidah Tahawiyyah. Nor did he come with Kitab al-Tawheed Nor did he come with al-Bayjuri Nor did he come with this or that Or Asas al-Taqdis He didn't come with any of these specific strands Each one of these strands is attempting In their best efforts to try to get at something Which is the truth with a capital T And we need to understand that They are human attempts mm. to get at the truth So I don't Just like most Salafis don't like being classified as a particular madhab I no longer view myself as being pigeonholed in a particular theological strand. Yes, I studied Athari Creed inside out. Yes, I knew the theology of Ibn Abdul Wahhab you know, better than any other strands. And I wrote and I published books in that strand. And for many, many years of my life, I considered myself to be a part of that Athari strand. But just like with Newtonian Einsteinian, you kind of move beyond. It's, I've never said I've rejected. I've never said yeah. I've gone against. It's a matter of you humanize and you mm. understand, you see the development of theology. Yeah. And I've tried to express this before in terminologies and ways that got me into a lot of trouble. Mm. You remember that, yeah. you know? But once people calm down, I still stand by that example, even if the wording wasn't conveyed properly to the yeah. people, I still stand by the example that mm. the Iman of the earliest generations was far better than ours, even though our grasp of our versions of theology, mm. right? Again, the questions that we would have been asked in Medina or Azhar or any institute, right? The fact of the matter is the questions themselves would never have been formulated by the Sahaba, much less answered yeah. by them. Because it's been synthesized exactly. into a, a, exactly. a field study. So what exactly then is Iman and Aqidah mm. when we know that the Sahaba's Iman was infinitely more than ours? And yet, when it comes to regurgitating quote-unquote facts of Aqidah, yeah. Perhaps yeah. later generations think they have more of a factual, you know, checklist, right? You understand yeah, what I'm saying about course, this, yeah. right? So, so this is again the, the 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 what I'm trying to express in a way that is just the mm. beginnings of a much more detailed discussion. Don't you think that perhaps some of your the 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 change that you experienced in your thinking could have been because of your starting point as very strict kind of aqidah centric? Study. That is also possible, yes. Yeah, because, in, I mean, Aqidah in general, the way it's taught and studied from different schools of thought, it's taught as something black and white, something... And every school and teaches dirt. this. Yeah. And and every school is incorrect in this regard. Mm. Because Aqidah is a development. And this is, again, something that... I or rather the study of Aqidah, the, the science of Aqidah, rather than... The science of Aqidah is a development. The, the core the subject and, that they're trying to And study. all you need to do is to look at the various theologians of every mm. school that have come. And you see for yourself that there is an actual internal development. And many of you know this, that Ibn mm. Taymiyyah, what, some of his greatest criticisms came from his fellow Hanbalis, 
who could not fathom and understand what is this guy doing to our traditional Islam, to our quote-unquote orthodox Islam. They viewed Ibn Taymiyyah as having rocked the boat. Mm -hmm. It only took a, you know, a century or so before Ibn Taymiyyah becomes the boat. And now when somebody else comes along and says, well, okay, Ibn Taymiyyah might be great, but all of a sudden, who are you to rock the boat? The same. It's like the same cycle continues throughout history. And khair, I mean, again, my... Mm -hmm. My position has also been, and I, I hope this is clear as well, I don't really concern myself with critics too much, and that's for many reasons. Of them is that, generally speaking, those who, who, who criticize are already coming from a level of practicing Islam that, inshallah, makes them safe on Judgment Day. Mm. They're praying, they're trying to avoid the major sins, they're, they're, they're following Allah and loving the Messenger and following the Sunnah. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. Then their criticism of me will neither harm nor benefit me or them on Judgment Day. Allah is the judge. We have to look at the broader world, what is happening. And I have to say this bluntly. Anybody who is still stuck in a mindset of trying to divide practicing Muslims mm. and trying to disunite people that are coming to the masajid and loving Allah and reading the Quran, anybody who's still so sectarian-minded in our modern context of the rise of Islamophobia and the rise of the far right and the complete disaster of what is happening in the world today, country after country, you know, we are literally being threatened. Our, our existence is now being challenged. And if mm. people are still in the 80s and 90s type of mentality, of oh this guy's Sufi, this guy's Ash'ari, this guy's Salafi, this guy's Deobandi and they are trying to disunite people who overall love Allah and His Messenger. Honestly, with my utmost respect, I think that that is a mindset that there is no hope to get mm -hmm. across to at this stage and let them do what they are doing. We have to look at the global world and Alhamdulillah the vast majority of Muslims are not in that narrow mindset. And so we need to concentrate on those that are far from the deen, those that are not even coming to the masajid, those that have huge misunderstandings, you know, those that are semi-practicing. The world is fertile. Why are we worried about the 2% that are ultra-religious and then within that 2% we're dividing, where do you pray and is it Imam Hanifa, Imam Shafi'i, is it Ghazali or Ibn Taymiyyah? This is foolishness. Wallahi, I mean, many, it is many foolishness. Many people speak yeah. about post-Madhabism and that kind of stuff. What, what now? Right? Um, would you agree that the 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 whole idea of aqidah as a as a study needs to be rehashed and the boundaries need to be redrawn again again these are things that <laughs> subhanallah it's so easy to take a two second clip and go to mm. your sheikh and timbuktu and get a fatwa against the person we've done this been there done that and i don't know what to do with that let let them people let let whoever wants to do that do that in the end of the day and I've said this at a conference in America with a mm. bunch of clerics in Medina and Azhar whatnot. I said, look, you guys can continue fighting over the Mawlid Sunnah or Bid'ah over Taraweeh 8 or 20. As you're fighting over whether, you know, uh, Allah Azza wa Jal is haqiqi or majazi, your children are fighting mm. over whether God exists or not. Yes. Mm. As you're fighting over whether the Mawlid is Sunnah or Bid'ah, your children are debating whether the Prophet should even be followed. What is the role of a Prophet? Like what world are you living in where you have to regurgitate? And I have to be frank here, and I was guilty of this 15 years ago. In order for these debates to continue, every side has to regurgitate that which is unknown to the next generation. They have to teach their people controversies of a thousand years ago. Mm. 
The average Muslim of our times is unaware of these controversies until they are taught it. Our controversies are far different and bigger. They are New Age atheism. It's the issues of modernity, of liberalism, of secularism, of human rights, of democracy, of feminism. These are the shubuhat. These are the things our young minds that are going to university are coming to us mm. and asking about. And instead of telling them what Islam tells us about these big issues, instead we take them back a thousand two hundred years and we bring up obscure topics, the Quran being this or that, and yeah. Kalam Allah, this yeah. and that. People don't even know until we teach them what the various schools have thought. Isn't this something that is counterproductive? Yeah, Final is. point before I give it yeah. back to you. Ibn Taymiyyah was a genius. He is somebody truly I admire as an intellectual. And I firmly believe if Ibn Taymiyyah had been alive today, mm. right? What was he writing back then? Al-Hamawiyyah, the questions from Hama. <coughs> Al-Wasidiyyah, the questions from... Oh, let me repeat that. Al-Hamawiyyah, the questions from Hama. Al-Wasatiyyah, the questions from Wasit, right? Al-Tadmuriyyah, the questions from Tadmur. What were those questions, the problems of their time and era? Which were about Asma wa Sifat, Mu'tazilite doctrines, mm, qadar. Greek, Qadar. Okay, if Ibn Taymiyyah were alive today, he would be writing Al-Londaniyyah, mm. right? Al-Barmingamawiyyah, New Yorkiyyah. What would those questions be? Would they be about Asma wa Sifat or would they be about liberalism and secularism and democracy and feminism mm. and living Not in the modern taxes. world? All of these various modern questions, and that is a, it's a very factual question, yeah. yeah. These are the questions. So yeah. my problem with the followers of Ghazali and Ibn Taymiyyah is that they put these two on such a high pedestal that they just read their works and stop there. And instead of just reading their works, why don't they try to actually do what Imam al-Ghazali or Imam Ibn Taymiyyah mm. did of their time frames? You never find that mindset. You still have the same tit for tat back and forth that took place a thousand years ago. And you know what? Maybe if I were alive a thousand years ago, I would have done that as well because those were the questions of that mm. era. But they are no longer the questions of our era. So it is a huge mistake, a fundamental mistake where you go back to these controversies and you resurrect the back and forth that took place in a time and a context that is absolutely and totally irrelevant to the world that we find ourselves in. Mm. I mean, uh, uh, quite a senior da'i, he mentioned, uh, I'll mention his name, he said the study of aqidah as a science has become like, a, like an idol that's worshipped. It's a bit more. Yeah, it's extreme. a bit. It's a bit. It's a bit of a obviously a, a terminology but, uh, is meant to yeah. provoke your minds and to provoke a reaction. And if mm -hmm. he means metaphorically an idol, that yeah, yeah. metaphorically obviously it's not an actual idol so that is worshipped. Uh, yeah, in, yeah. Uh, a person's wala and bara instead of mm. being to Allah and His Messenger has come to a bunch of texts written by men. This is yeah, what I mean, has happened yeah, yeah. with sectarianism within our ummah, and it is a problem that. I ask Allah's refuge and forgiveness. I was also a part of the problem 15 years ago mm -hmm. where I was on a certain frame of mind where I thought that somebody who is of a different sect within even Sunni Islam is a type of enemy to the truth. Yep. And that's a dangerous ideology and a dangerous mindset. Mm -hmm. That yeah, Umar. <laughs> it's it's not going to no, help the Ummah. Told you so no, many times. Agreed. So, Shaykh, his question, in terms of what you've spoken about, the the laity, the vast majority of Muslims, we know, are so distant and so removed from these type of discussions. This is a reality. When I um, when I work in the city, and the type of questions people come and ask, is so disconnected from these type of discussions that we're having now. Okay, so that's one. I think the majority of society that you're you're talking mm -hmm. to. What advice would you give those people who want to become students of knowledge, though? 
how do they develop themselves now? What do they mm. study, right? As opposed to most people who are just taking knowledge from you. What do they study? How should they develop themselves? They, might think, they, they yeah. might think that you're attacking them. You know, for Not even just, without the attacking. I'm just saying general stuff that they're. Yeah. So there is. So the question then would be akin to how does one study uh, fiqh? You have to start with a school. The mm. purpose of these schools is to build you up and to give you an idea, but never substitute the school for the religion of Islam. Unfortunately, yeah. this is what sectarianism has done, where my school becomes the correct, quote-unquote, orthodox opinion of Islam, and anybody who dares disagree is somehow an, a partial enemy to the truth. And that basically means you look at him as somebody who has opposed the religion mm -hmm. of Allah. That's where the danger comes. Yeah. That's a very big danger. Of course, when you start studying Islam, you need to go to a school that's already been developed, whether it is the Shafi'i, Hanbali, Maliki, choose a school to understand fiqh. And then choose a theological you know, madhab as well, yeah. as, uh, whether it's Athari, whether it's Ash'ari, whether it's Maturi. These are the main Sunni schools and study them so that you get an idea of, okay, this is the mainstream understanding of Islam and feel free to study more than one. Mm -hmm. And that will give you a deeper appreciation. And no problem, if you ally yourself with one of these strands because it makes life easier, right? We have all seen, all Salafis that are above the age of 35 have seen the problems of what happened in the 90s when we opposed the madhabs and we opened up the door for do-it-yourself Islam, right? We saw that that was an extreme that led to another extreme. And I myself, again, we went through all of this as well. And uh, alhamdulillah, though I wasn't a hardcore anti-madhabist, but as you know, that was a common strand in England, especially mm, yeah. because of the, ty the type of Salafism that was introduced in England back in the early 90s. You know, you understand the Jordanian strand of Salafism. Even Salafism, yeah. by the way, you see the human developments here. Mm. You see yeah. an understanding of human development. It has many strands. I gave a lecture in Georgetown recently about this, that even Salafism isn't just one strand and every mm. strand is claiming the other strand is wrong. This is just narrow-mindedness. These are all human attempts. Back to your question. Of course, you need to start with some school. Otherwise, you are reinventing the wheel. And that is nonsensical. Yeah. Once the building has been developed, right, you might as well take advantage of it and go as high as you can, even as you understand that the building is a human product. Allah didn't reveal the building, the Maliki Madhab, the Shafi'i Madhab. That's not, Allah didn't reveal that. But these are buildings that are attempting to get to the divine Sharia. The same goes for the schools of theology. Take a school, study it, and then move on and be practical and pragmatic. Don't take mm. other schools as enemies. And every person then needs to choose what am I interested in doing? What is my goal in life? To what level am I going to commit to Islamic studies? Is it my full-time life? In which case I give up everything and go study and whatnot. Or is it just to be a better Muslim in my personal life? What level am I going to give da'wah to? What am I going to concentrate on? These are all questions that will then, based on those questions, the next steps will come about mm. what they should be studying. Yeah, and I guess taking the adv advice that you've just given, Shaykh, would you apply that to yourself? So if you were speaking to the younger Yasser Qadi, would you say to him in terms of all the experiences that you've had, they've made you who you are today? So looking at yourself, what would you have changed in terms of your journey? Or would you have said to yourself, don't do this or maybe do this at this time to come to the position now? See, this hypothetical question, I mean, I... 
I don't see much value in it. I am who I am. I went through the phases I did, and I don't regret any phase, like I said. And yeah. I'm thankful to Allah. I went through the College of Hadith, and then the the Dawa, you know, theology speciality. And to me, that was an ideal combination because the both of them are critical sciences. The yeah. both of them really demonstrate a, a level of complexity. Hadith teaches us how we get the knowledge that we get in our tradition from. You know, theology was taught to me in a very uh, again, black and white fashion That this is the haq from Allah And I thank Allah I mastered that theology And I read For my master's dissertation is called Jahm ibn Safwan And the theological positions Of Jahm ibn Safwan yeah. For that Jahm ibn Safwan Is a very early figure He died like 120 Hijra Right? Yeah. That's like before mm-hmm. Any of the major imams Right? In order to get his biography And his, uh, and his uh, uh, theology I had to read No exaggeration Hundreds of books Written in early Islam at the time, I read every book ever printed about Athari theology uh, up until Ibn Taymiyyah. And then I read Ibn Taymiyyah. This three years, four years I'm doing this dissertation. That, I couldn't be who I am if I hadn't read through all of those hundreds of volumes. I don't regret it for a second. Good. That to understand the, the development of theology. SubhanAllah, I read it and I never thought about thinking of the chronological development. I'm reading it as if it is one. You know, Ibn Qudama, Ibn Taymiyyah, you know, you have Al-Lalaka'i, you have Al-Barbahari. I'm looking at it as if as it's one. And then you get to Yale and they start telling you, well, hold on a sec. Each of these individuals is a different time, different place, mm-hmm. different, you know, look at what each one did that the other didn't do. Look at the context, look at the... And you start, you have all this information, but now you re-sift in your own mind and you start moving. It's like a jigsaw puzzle. Yep. You have the pieces and your teachers have constructed a puzzle yeah. and they've said, here it is. And you don't question it because they're your teachers. But then you're like, hold on a sec, that doesn't fit here. This, uh, this piece is kind of not, I need to put, I need, and you start redoing it in your own head, and mm-hmm. the facts are the facts, but how you connect them, yeah. and the broader picture that you form, that is something that requires your own independent research. So how do you, how do you um, bridge the gap between that kind of aqidah slash hadith centric way of looking at things, and the perhaps um, more um, ethics based fiqh or Kind of um, fatwa and, and and research in that regard. So, you know, you're on you're you're part of fatwa organizations. And the Fiqh Council of North America. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, typically, I mean, the stereotype is that somebody who's really really overly studies aqid and hadith, they're not going to be as uh, nuanced or capable in the fiqh domain. Right? Do you think that's a fair kind of um, all stereotypes? Some say there is an yeah. element of truth in them and an element of falsehood in them. This is mm. what some people say. That's a big a bit of a... That too is a stereotype yeah. in and of itself, right? <laughs> the stereotypes are stereotypes. Yeah, it's a meta-stereotype. Exactly. Mashallah. So, how did, so you, how did you bridge that? I've always had a strong passion for many fields, alhamdulillah. Mm. Uh, of them is Ulum uh, al-Quran. And you know, I have a book on Ulum al-Quran and I've always had a passion. For, I still am involved mm. in Ulum al-Quran in my discussions mm, yeah. and whatnot. Uh, of them is Sira, And alhamdulillah, my Sira shows again. Yeah, that of them as well, uh, I've always had a passion in the fiqh of uh, ibadat and some aspects of mu'amalat. There's one field I'm not interested in all, that's money, business. I leave that to Umar in this. You know, <laughs> I just have very little desire for... For finance issues It's yeah. just never intrigued me And whatnot. So yeah. Islamic finance I'm not too big on that and not, But the fiqh of ibadat And uh, you know Some mu'amalat Like nikah, talaq, whatnot. I've always had a passion I've studied alhamdulillah Quite a lot in these regards mm-hmm. And alhamdulillah I was honored uh, two years ago That the fiqh council of North America Which is the oldest And senior most Sharia body in North America 
asked me to, to join them And they actually mm. said We want somebody who has studied hadith Because we don't have somebody with a hadith background So we are all a team that works yeah. together yeah. And each one has a We have a finance guy who's a specialist in finance He used to work in Islamic banks around the world You know, we have somebody who's a, a, a medical doctor have somebody So Good. putting together, we come together as a team And alhamdulillah, we have uh, produced a number of fatawa And my specialization is known And we all have discussions mm-hmm. about every fatwa that we give We come together as a team and we discuss it and each one brings a speciality out. Mm. So who, who would you say are some of your um, inspirations in terms of Alive Today? Who do, you go, who do you go to for kind of advice and to check, keep yourself in check? Because everyone needs... You know, so the, kind of the main person whom I can say that I have the utmost respect for who is still alive today uh, is Sheikh Salman Al-Awda. May Allah Azza wa expedite mm. his release he uh-huh. has had a very profound and personal impact on me i have met him many times and uh, he knows me personally and uh, he uh, definitely has um, uh, has had been is, he's somebody that really mm. I, I mean i get emotional even just talking about knowing what he's been through and what he's going through now is somebody that i genuinely love and admire mm. and i view him as being the ibn Taymiyyah of our times wow. this is the wow. ibn Taymiyyah figure of our times somebody who understands and who has been forward thinking for his entire life Even as a graduate student You know, 25, 30 years ago He was ahead of his time And he mm. too has been through phases, right? And I see this as well Like, okay, this is actually a good thing That you are exploring and you're seeing And you're trying to rethink through And, and mm. do it in a manner that, yes Traditionalism is traditionalism But traditionalism in Islam doesn't just mean You open up a fatwa of a thousand years and implement it You also have to move forward So that is my number one Inspiration was a yeah. liar. That's Sheikh Salman Al Auda. Historically, from even even when you were, you did you study with him when you were in Medina? So I wasn't able to study with him mm. per se because he was in Buraida and I was in uh, in Medina. Uh, but I did visit him mm. uh, when it was not allowed to visit him. <laughs> uh, those are taboo days, you know. So yeah. don't tell anyone. Yeah. <laughs> I won't tell anyone. <laughs> yeah, this is back in the late nineties or whatnot. Now yeah. either. But Unfortunately. It's interesting in his actually. house. I visited him yeah. in his house, yeah, yeah. and uh, um, and uh, I also visited uh, Sheikh Safar al Hawali as well, and uh, got okay. to know him. Uh, and in fact, Subhanallah, again, this shows you how different these people were. When mm. I applied, when I first started thinking of going to America for a PhD, right? First, I started thinking going to America, and I would have been perhaps the first Westerner, definitely the first American or British, to get a PhD. In any discipline of Islamic studies In any university in, in Saudi Arabia I was at that stage Nobody was ahead of me from America and England Alhamdulillah my great speaker Everybody knows this I'm not Astaghfirullah bragging Everybody knows this I would have been the first Maybe Westerner Definitely American, British, Canadian, Australian To get a, 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 a PhD In any Islamic discipline In any Islamic university in Saudi Arabia I was set to be that I have my master's and towards the last year of my master's, 9-11 has happened two, three years before then. The world is changing dramatically. Mm. And I'm thinking, what am I going to do here for another five, six years? I need to go back and be with my people, the yeah. Muslims of the West. I need to do things for them. And I asked uh, a number of my teachers. And down to a person, pretty much everybody said, are you out of your mind? Have you lost your marbles? You're going to go and study with the Kufars, Right. <laughs> You're going to go and study Islam with people that, and I remember, I'm not going to mention any names, but a very, very (laughs) famous sheikh. You all know him in Medina. He said to me, uh, when I said, sheikh, I'm thinking of applying for a PhD, doing a PhD on Ibn Taymiyyah, you know, in the West. He just snorted. He goes, 
do you think they've even heard of Ibn Taymiyyah? <laughs> like he had no idea that there yeah. are at least 500 books written on Ibn Taymiyyah in English yeah. and German and whatnot. Do you think you've even heard of Ibn Taymiyyah? He's like, he started that. The one person, by what the way, in Medina. This, sorry? Uh, this is 2003. So they didn't know Yahya Misho, people like that? <laughs> Nobody. I thought he had a... Nobody. They, this is a different world. And again, mm-hmm. I love... My Mashaikh and whatnot, but it's a different mentality in the world. Yeah. Uh, so the one person, by the way, in Medina who actually said, you need to go, you need to go, right, was Sheikh Al-A'tami, though I gave an interview with him yeah. recently, yes. if you saw my interview. In Urdu, right? that one? Yes, that one. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. Is it better than your Urdu or are you going to make a comment? <laughs> I'm just waiting, I don't know, man. <laughs> No, no, your Urdu is good. You said Urdu oh, with okay. hesitation there. Yeah, <laughs> Urdu. yeah I know. It's like you're like in Urdu. Okay, is there in Urdu? In Urdu. Okay. So Sheikh Al A'zami was the first and only person wow. in the University of Medina who said, "Don't even think of doing a PhD here. You have to go, you know, uh, outside." I was like, no. "What?" The one person, the Indian guy, is like, what? To go outside. <laughs> is, but no. So then I went to Sheikh Safar al-Hawali yeah. in Mecca. Mm-hmm. Right? And he said, Ya Yasir, it is wajib for you to go back to your people and to do a PhD there. I said, Sheikh, I'm worried. I'm worried about myself, my iman. I'm worried that I'm going to be sitting in classrooms where perhaps things are said that mm. are inappropriate and... You know, it's in the Quran that when Allah's name is mentioned and mm-hmm. He said, Ya Yasir, you are not sitting there just for fun. You're sitting there to understand their shubuhat so that you can then refute at a later stage. Of course you have to go. And he said a phrase I still remember and his face changed. How much we would have wished or how long we yearned for a student like you to come to our lands, study with us and then go back and study at the top institutions of the world mm-hmm. and get his PhD from there. Like he literally changed my paradigm. These are the mashayikh that you know, I look up to, mm-hmm. right? The forward thinkers. He said, don't even think about it. Go and study over there. Once he said that, my heart became at ease. And I prayed istikhara and I applied to, alhamdulillah, you know, Harvard, Yale, Princeton, and uh, your university here, Oxford, or whatnot, you know. Of course, your Oxford accepted me, and uh, it was Allah's (laughs) blessing. Was it it for the PhD, or was it just... PhD, yes. (laughs) But uh, I thank Allah that I chose uh, my... Yale University, with that most respect, uh, would and yeah. there are many reasons for that. I, I, and I mean that semi-seriously. The manhaj is the manhaj is very different uh, over here yeah. and there. Did you feel a little so. bit maybe upset that all these mashayikh that you respected so much were telling you to go back to a country? On the contrary, all the mashayikh <laughs> oh, right. were saying to <laughs> okay. stay. What part did you not understand? Wonder you expected, you know, <laughs> but this was actually the point I was going to say was actually quite interesting because people listen to your stuff or read your stuff, Sheikh. They may think that you have this, you know, Western-centric form of Islam. But alhamdulillah, you've actually said that the people you most admired, who have guided you, that you refer to, are actually from the East in that sense. What I'm saying is people yes. may think that okay. you've Let shifted me, everything to the okay. West. Okay, let me... Go a little bit further, though, and say that <laughs> with yeah, exactly. You open this Here's door. The Here's the rope. Here's the rope. Yeah, you open that door. Cut this out. I think, especially Muslims in England, more so than America, they have been taught and fed for too long to idealize, perhaps even idolize. The term idolize doesn't mean to make into an idol, right, Mr. Salman, but or Doctor Salman. Thank you. People, they've exoticized 
the foreign alim fetishized they have with mm. utmost respect they have and i i mean a famous masjid in england i'm not going to mention any names but they invited a, one of the top notch muftis and sheikhs of saudi you know and to give a basic class on the fiqh of the hanbali madhab tahara and whatnot and they invited a graduate of medina masters graduate one of your british to translate this basic class and my jaw just dropped like why did you study 10 years in medina just to be a translator for somebody in a basic hanbali text and half the audience is asleep because when you translate terms they're yeah. not paying attention like this is a mindset that is a problem if we just wanted to be a translators we should have gone for one year done the daura in arabic and then come back and get the phone numbers of the kibar mm-hmm. and call them the purpose of getting trained is to then become independent go back and then look at what needs to be done we all quote ibn qayyim when he says half of fiqh is understanding the context of your people half of the fatwa is to know the context of the fatwa you're giving in you know i met uh, another person in jail now uh, sheikh abd al aziz um, <laughs> there's been a trend the going people, on here, yeah, i know it's like <laughs> i'm detecting a pattern here <laughs> Allah, if you're going <laughs> to regimes that's also <laughs> another problem so yeah. anyway uh, i met uh, sheikh abd al aziz al fawzan you know very very uh, dynamic sheikh and alim and uh, he had lived in america for five years uh, before 9/11 and because of 9/11 then he left and he came back uh, and definitely one of the up and coming next generation of senior ulama of that region and i was this is the first year after i graduated from medina i met him in london actually yeah. and i said sheikh yani coming back to america now and i'm seeing so many of the fatwas and fiqh that i held as being completely haq now i understand you cannot apply that anymore and i'm changing so much because i see the context of of my people and he said haq ya yasa how true is this ya yasa i spent 5 years in america and every year he told me this one on one every year i kept on changing my fatwas until i couldn't even recognize myself from 5 years ago like yeah. seeing the impact you come you give a hardcore fatwa and you see not only does nobody listen to it it turns people away from islam and then yeah. you realize there's another opinion that actually makes sense etc etc you 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 learn from experience what you don't learn from books i said sheikh if this is you 5 years imagine a, a person born raised in america and he then sees all of these fatwa and he understands look this is not going to apply in my society if living in 5 years changed yeah. you so much mm-hmm. you couldn't recognize your own self then how about somebody we have lived our whole lives in this country and then we understand that this cannot be imported to so our lives. I mean th- but th- so let me just finish this yeah. and i said this in east london yeah. masjid mm-hmm. again it went viral that little clip like go to your local ulama go to your your local ulama they didn't just study arabic mm. they studied 5 10 15 years that's the whole purpose of them going they should be your primary reference if they are stuck they can go to the higher ups they escalate, yeah. they can escalate but the average muslim should go to the local sheikh or alim that he mm. or she respects and looks up to the one that is from the same culture the same background and who has studied you know fiqh this is a problem when somebody jumps the hierarchy jumps the queue and then calls up the kibar we, we've seen this in the 90s right yeah. we've seen how foolish it is right yeah, this yeah, little yeah. you know neophyte this completely and you'll make a too harsh over here this um <laughs> this right dim- here, diminutive <laughs> this diminutive don't mention it being called us calls up some sheikh far away and then what do you, you know, say about a person yeah what is kada wa kada he said and it's a problem for the sheikh black jumpers yeah <laughs> exactly yes uh these are called mock neck turtles what do you call them uh, anyway yeah. so uh, it's a problem for that sheikh yeah. it's a fitna for him yeah. and it's a fitna for the caller we've seen this 
agree, Sheikh. I was going to ask something that there's, and I, I agree, actually agree with you. Growing up in the West, having access, mashallah, to the mashayikh, like yourself and the other mashayikh here. But you know, in in in, and I give him my example from the working world. We we have this thing. I'm, I'm I work in risk and audit, and so we always have this thing that the person who's involved in a process, the person who audits him, has to be someone who's outside of that process. Where's the balance between? Living, experiencing Islam in the West, and then, then that base our fatawa are based on that, versus someone who's looking outside and who isn't subject to the same experiences, having that level the of same pressures. Yeah, being able to remove social pressure. I don't think you can apply the audit example to fatwas and fiqh, and I'll tell you why. Independence maybe is a better way. Yeah, of independence. Yeah, that's different. I'll yeah. tell you why, because the issue of masalih and mafasid, you know what that means. Yes, yeah, cannot be conveyed in a paragraph phone call. So benefit, for anyone listening, benefits and The and pros and cons, and harms, the harm and the benefits done yeah. by any cap, but, uh, The classic example here, right, is politics What to do with what's going on in this part of the world really? Okay, Do you really unthink that calling somebody in Timbuktu About which party to support, which candidate to do How best to do your media operation Do you think that makes any sense? And by the way, for every strand of Islam Somehow, miraculously, the haqq and the kibar are always where that strand originated. Islam <laughs> is not that regional, right? Islam is all not that regional. Yeah. For one strand, it's always Saudi Arabia. For another strand, it's always India or Pakistan. Sorry. Like, come on, seriously? I mean, as if all of the major scholars of the world mm. miraculously yeah. just happen to be in one small province of yeah. one kingdom of course, or whatnot. Yeah. Of course, but yes. surely <laughs> that that if if that's a a big kind of thinker, big alim. Then he is going to know the limits of his own Easier advice. said than done And this is something that only those who have studied with mm. Mashaikh And I said this to one of the students Who literally said to me Do you know more than Ibn Uthaymeen? I said it's not a matter of who knows more I said I have no doubt I love Ibn Uthaymeen more than you Because I studied with him He wrote a tazkiyah for me I sat at his feet he wrote a tazkiyah for me to get into Majistir program. I know Ibn Uthameen better than you. I have no doubt that I love him a more proper love because it is a love of a human to a human. Mm. You have a mythological idea of who Ibn Uthameen is. <coughs> right? you, have some, you have constructed a caricature. Because I know the Shaykh better than you, I can actually humanize him. Mm. Yeah. And I can see his strengths, and I also know other than his strengths. But there's also there's always a, a a danger of blurring the line between the fatwa. I mean, the fatwa, fair enough, and you need to be involved in the the pros and cons. You need to see what the consequences yeah. are and so forth in the society you're living in. But sometimes fatwa, it kind of because um, the fatwa is taking the the theoretical and implementing Applying it, it in, in real a particular life. context. Yes, sometimes. When, um, when somebody goes a bit too radical in the fatwas, yeah, you <coughs> might say this about your own fatwas sometimes that it's going against kind of the grain. The grain yeah. Isn't there a danger of going into and Excellent. changing the theory? The checks and balances need to be as well from within, and okay. that's why. And that's why, the safest way forward is that your own peers in your own lands, peers, your own peers, yeah. in your own lands, Allah. keep you in check. Okay, mashallah. You guys done? That's it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We're each other's beard. We, need, we mentioned yeah. it earlier when you spoke about money and stuff. Alhamdulillah. You know. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. So you give money in your bayaz or what? Yeah. Direct debit. 
Okay, mashallah. Yeah. You take money in your pants. Okay. Is it the money that's flowered on you or what? I take we? Bitcoin as well now. Like mashallah, <laughs> alhamdulillah. What's yeah. the price of Bitcoin, by the way? It's not enough. We're waiting for it to go back up to 20,000. <laughs> mashallah, alhamdulillah. Mm-hmm. The Fiqh Council just yeah. released a fatwa about Bitcoins. I what actually wrote it. Halal or haram? Uh, overall, it is halal. Really? really? I'm going to have to discuss that with you after, Sheikh. Mm. Mm. So I'm already off the menhaj. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Everything else is acceptable. Yeah, this but you, <laughs> <enough>. <laughs> you went too far. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. Yeah. But I mean, so the, the, you know, the, the, a lot of people they they say this about the the American Muslims we joked about in the beginning. But you know, the, um, it, it seems from here, from our perspective, that American Muslims are under an intense amount of pressure politically with the rise of Trump. And you know, um, boy, I thought we were Bannon bad, but you guys are going to have Boris, Boris. So, subhanAllah, I think Boris we're gonna is better. All right. His yeah. grandfather was a Muslim. Mashallah. <laughs> 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 so what can happen in uh, in two generations? I um, wonder what can happen. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, it, what's your kind of view? Your reaction? I, I heard your lecture post Trump kind of election, and you were it was kind of bleak, but you know, you were giving a an important message to the community. Is it as? Did it turn out as bad as you know expected? Um, I will say that in every calamity, there's also uh, a positive element that comes. Every single difficulty also brings ease. And I, I actually yeah, do believe yeah, in Dalil. You know. Can you believe that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can you believe I quote the Quran and <laughs> Sunnah, right? I mean, like, subhanAllah. Yeah. <laughs> what sort of guests have we got in here? <laughs> Uh, I remember many, many years ago, just joking, many, yeah. many years ago, when we first started talking about Salafi, Sufi coming together, right? Imam Zaid Shakir said to me, this 15 years ago, or six, 14 years ago, is, you know, let the Salafis come and mix with the Sufis. They'll see that we actually say Bismillah before we eat our food, you know? <laughs> we, we eat with the right hands. They're actually going to see we follow the Sunnah. Mm. You know, it's just, well, that phrase just, when <laughs> yeah, you said yeah. that, <laughs> stuck with me. Because like, okay. mm. these stereotypes are yeah, just crazy. Anyway, yeah. what was your question before you so rudely in terms of uh, <laughs> In terms of Trump, Right, yes, uh, in terms of Trump. So there has indeed been um, a validation of many of our fears. We see this happening now. Uh, I cannot believe that uh, America is thinking of attacking yet another Middle Eastern country. I mean, it's truly mind-boggling, even if I'm not a supporter of that country overall, still to go to war and to kill innocent people and to spend lives. I mean, unbel- and it's I can't help but worry about World War Three or on the horizon. Worry about, uh, you though? know. I mean, um, after all these years, we've spent over six trillion dollars. We've lost in our American lives hundreds of thousands, mm. and non-Americans millions of lives, and we're still beating the drums of war. And if your guy gets elected, by the way, yeah. then he's also going to do what you're. Pre- I mean, it's going to be a, a vicious cycle and loop. And Allah mustan. However, with that rise, we've also seen uh, the rise of negatives. We've also seen the, the rise of some positives, and of them is that alhamdulillah many many muslims have renewed their commitment to islam they've mm-hmm. understood that this world is they don't have the luxury of ignoring their islamic identity that they are more committed to the faith they're becoming more involved in the masajid in the communities in political activism and that's raised obviously a whole bunch of other interesting issues and concerns that if we have time we'll talk about mm-hmm. them but overall look it's allah's qadr which generation we're born in no. it's allah's qadr what trials we face and the way that i see it this is our Generation and our trials. This is where this is what our, yani, uh, literally our jihad is mm. going to be in fighting this Islamophobia, in in reclaiming our true Islamic identity. This is our struggle. Mashallah, tabarakallah. So you have a special. <laughs> you only just realized. I think that was Sheikh's ringtone. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
our jihad with a small j in yeah. the spiritual oh jihad you know this is our spiritual jihad a bold font yes exactly <laughs> italicized <laughs> and yeah so yeah. this is what i think our mm. role in life is is to make sure that we pass islam down to our next generations and preserve our securities and and freedoms in these lands i mean when when you when when a community feels that it's under attack or in, in some kind of besieged status then there's also a lot of pressure to um, reach out and and conform to kind of maybe left wing slash, slash liberal um, kind of allies, right? Yeah, and that's that's something that a lot of we've seen a lot in not just not just in America in the UK as well. Slowly, yeah, we've 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 uh, we're experimenting the American Muslim community, and mm. by and large, most activists are veering towards the left because the left gives them a home. And the left allows them to breathe And the left basically says You know We welcome you You know mm. In spite of your diversity Or in spite of your weird views Or whatnot. But of course That comes at a compromise And the compromise is They as well expect you To welcome them And their views And we might be willing To tolerate politically But we cannot Tolerate morally Meaning And this is something that Muslims are going to have To come to terms with Look Alhamdulillah, most Muslims do in the West. Like, look, obviously, the worlds that we live in, you cannot impose your version of morality on other people. You cannot go around mistreating people who might have a different view as you or a different lifestyle as you. And anybody who does that, frankly, they need to rethink about where they're living and why they're living here. It is not wajib to mm. live in any one land over another. Mm. And if you feel that living in one land is such a compromise to your aqidah and theology, then with my utmost respect, go live in another land, no problem. But... If we understand that what is being asked of us is not acceptance but mere political toleration, I think that is a compromise that is acceptable in Islam. We can tolerate kufr in your life. We cannot tolerate it morally. There's a difference between the two. You understand this, obviously. Politically, it's lakum dinukum waliyadin. It's the Makkan phase. You do what you're doing, but don't expect me to say that worshiping other than Allah is acceptable. You may worship other than Allah, and we, that is your freedom to do so in the lands that we're living in. Okay, but do not force me to say that I think it is permissible to worship other than Allah. Now, this is the issue that we're now grappling with mm -hmm. now. To what level of quote-unquote compromise should we do? And of course, as you know, my position I think is pretty clear that we are neither left nor right. We are neither you know liberal or conservative. We have our own values. And I don't think it is correct to ally ourselves with any one strand against the other. Mm. But the problem is, at least in America, maybe in Europe it's different, we don't have enough critical mass to really form our own independent party. I think Muslims in France, Muslims maybe even in some places in, in, in England, do have that critical mass. And I think that they have more of a footing to stand on. But I think what the Europeans don't understand is that we are less than 1% of America. Really? Less than yeah, 1 wow. less than 1% of Strong. America. Very small. It sounds like a lot. It seems like a lot. That's because America has 350 million. So in the larger cities, when you have conventions of 20, 30,000 people, because again, where are the Muslims concentrated? Yeah. In the larger cities. So in the, in the cities, they are concentrated. In, in the, the larger states, cities, the yes. states, they are concentrated. Yeah, I mean, in New York, Chicago, Houston, LA. They, I mean, New York is the highest percentage. Yeah. New York is, some say, up to like 5%, 10%. Okay, maybe, but New York, but that's an exception. You go to the average city mm. or town, just like in England. If you go up an hour or two, how many Muslims be living in those small villages yeah. or towns? So those percentages, uh, or is it those, what is the, Leicester is number one, right? Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Leicester or Birmingham, one of the two. Yeah. Somebody told me Leicester last year, Marshall. Was he a Gujarati person? For, yes, 40% <laughs> he said. I couldn't believe it. He said 40%. 
of that of that city is like what? That's why I voted Brexit. No, no. What they mean is probably forty percent of his owned by Muslims. Mashallah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the point is there. Yeah. The, very we don't today. have anywhere close to those percentages in some. But do you have a vision to to eventually for Muslims to do their own politics, not necessarily in a party, but to eventually have some kind of once the critical mass comes, I think it is important because. <coughs> These are some of the challenging issues. What does it mean to be a Muslim in a liberal democracy? What does mm. it mean to have enough critical mass to influence politicians and to get into politics? These are fatawa and issues where, again, with utmost respect, you can't go to Timbuktu. You no, will have to have local ulama along with local academics, along with local MPs, along with local people who understand the, the, you yeah. know, how it functions, come together in a room and put forth a vision. And that vision is never going to be 100% right. You will learn from experience. But again, you cannot outsource the future of Islam in Britain to mm. Muslims in Timbuktu. And you, you understand I'm using Timbuktu as yeah. an example. In reality, it boils down Speaking. to one country. So, <laughs> so. Pakistan, What's yeah. Timbuktu yeah. done 21? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ask a slightly different line of questioning now, Sheikh, if that's all right with you. Um, alhamdulillah, we know Sheikh Yasser, and you've spoken about Sheikh Yasser as the academic and the scholar. And... I'm going to use the next term, and I know this isn't something that you refer to yourself as to, but it's a celebrity, all right? And I know you don't refer to yourself as a celebrity, but alhamdulillah, Allah has put love in the hearts of people for yourself, may Allah uh, elevate you and Ameen. accept from you uh, on that. What do you do to kind of keep yourself measured? Because we've seen unbridled, uh, un, you know, unrestricted growth in the whole social media space and alhamdulillah you're coming from a position that's grounded uh, in islamic sciences and you've gone through that but other people don't have that and we've seen kind of the worst of it and so the question to yourself is one is how do you keep yourself measured and two what is the role of personal worship in people who are trying to become da'is and mm. use social media as a platform this is a very painful question because even as i answer it and explain the problems, I understand that I am one of the causes of those problems. It's a very difficult reality. All that I can say, subhanAllah, when people of my generation in the early 90s chose to study Islam, we can honestly say that there was no concept of celebrity scholars. So, inshallah, inshallah, anybody who went to study Islam in that time Insha'Allah, they were sincere mm. for the sake of Allah because we had to give up a lot. Yeah. I gave up my engineering degree. I gave up a nice job. Allah knows how much I gave up. And I had no idea what the future would hold. Wallahi, as Allah is my witness, I never thought that I would be uh, a person that is so much known in the Western world. There wasn't even, there was no such thing. The people we looked up to were Siraj Wahaj and yeah. Jamal Badawi. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the concept of, even, remember, yeah. even Hamza Yusuf came after we That's went right. to Medina, yeah, right? Yeah. The concept of celebrity scholars did not even exist. So all that I can say is that as Allah is our witness, we went for the sake of knowledge. We went to study Islam. We had no idea what the next step would come. And it just so happened that we came back and we are the first batch and in particular myself and a few others who are the batches of the social media and the Facebook and Twitter and, and YouTube. This is not something we predicted. Mm -hmm. yeah. And we have seen, a'udhu billah, but this, this, this culture of, of treating scholars like Hollywood and Bollywood stars. 
And it really hurts me because that's not why we did what we did. Now the flip side, and uh, I, I'm sure the Sheikh won't mind me mentioning his name. Uh, my dear friend, I'll mention his name because I know he won't mind, Sheikh Yahya Ibrahim from, uh, from uh, uh, yeah. Australia slash Canada. We did Umrah together and uh, uh, a family came up to me with, you know, the eyes of shock and was like, Sheikh, 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 I want to do a selfie with you. And I said, you know, may Allah bless you. You know, I, I don't want to take selfies. May Allah bless you. Family went away. Sheikh Yahya turned to me and said, Ya Aba Ammar, taqillah. It's like, what? I don't want to take selfies. You know, said, may Allah reward you. you. I know your knee is good. But don't you understand that they're coming to you and of course they've put you in a pedestal you don't deserve. We both know that. But in their eyes, they want to respect Islam and the people of Islam. Mm. In their eyes, isn't it better that they take you like this rather than what are the latest stars of your country, Bollywood or something? What, what Salman Bhatt. country. Salman Bhatt. <laughs> <laughs> Salman Bhatt. Salman Bhatt. Omar Issa. So rather yeah, yeah. than these other people, isn't it better that they come to you? Their children are saying, they're going to, he mm, said yeah. He said this to me, he's like, as soon as they take the photo, if they took it, they would text it back to the family, we got a picture with, and then yeah. they're going to go listen to your lecture. So it's a two-way street. And what hurts me, number one, Allah knows I don't like this culture. As Allah is my witness, I don't like it. I don't like it. I really don't. And that's why I posted on Facebook multiple times, mm. Don't please don't take selfies. I'll make dua for you. You know, I only, by the way, do autographs for little kids. If you're like seven years old, you want an autograph? Okay, Tiga, no problem. But if you're like a, you know... I was going to bring my uh, copy of Kash for Shubhat yeah, for you to if sign. You're gonna, if you're going to... I you're gonna no for another reason. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot to say about that. <laughs> I can yeah. sign it, but I also have to delete <laughs> many <laughs> things that uh, <laughs> expunge. If you have a marker, we can go over it, inshallah. Uh, the, the point is that that's one side that I don't like it. But yeah. then the people, Allah it's a, it's a type of veneration that there's some khair in it and there's yeah. some shar in it. Yeah. Let's be brutally honest here. There's some khair that we want them to look up to the people of Islam mm. in a positive manner. Allah knows I don't deserve that respect. I know it. But what do we do? The second thing that comes, which is also painful, is that, subhanAllah, we get criticized from another generation of du'at and whatnot that they feel that we have corrupted the purity of the da'wah. And I don't know what to do about that. I don't want to corrupt the purity of the da'wah. What do I do? I don't know. Please, I genuinely am asking... Should we <laughs> should we stop giving da'wah on Facebook? Should we stop deactivate. you know deactivate YouTube? And he's yeah. not giving Sira classes anymore. That's what I I want to give all of this ilma. What should we do? What is the, mm. the so we also become targets for another generation of you know right after us who just feel as if oh these are the celebrity scholars and that, that dismissiveness of course it hurts. I'm human being in the end yeah. of the day. I don't know what to do. There's a third problem that has come, which is the most dangerous. And I have seen this myself with my own eyes. And this is, wallahi, something I'm speaking directly to the, the people and the students of knowledge. I have seen and heard people say, when they go to Medina or whatnot, I want to become the next Yasir Qadi, or I want to become the next Sheikh Furan and Allah. Right? And this is terrifying. Wallahi, it's terrifying. Whatever my faults were, whatever our faults were of that generation, fame was not one of them. Yeah. They could, there was no such thing as yeah, a famous Sheikh. Yeah. Or da'i at that time. Yeah, it's a different yeah. world. For somebody to go into Islamic studies for the sake of fame, a'udhu billah, man, you have sold your deen and your dunya. Weren't you a bit flattered though? Just a bit. Dang, this guy is yeah. like <laughs> cruel. 
completely cruel. Like you know the word tappar in Urdu? Huh? It's tappar actually. Okay, so sometimes some people deserve tappars. So I mean, completely lost my train of thought. Where was that? Just imagine giving him a tappar. Oh, that's therapeutic. But yeah, they were seeking fame. You're saying there, I mean, there are people. There are people wanting to study Islam for the sake of fame. Uh, the issue, therefore, of purity of intention is essential for the one who goes to study Islam. You will destroy your deen and dunya if you go for the wrong reasons. Wallahi, if you want to go for fame, don't go to Islamic studies. Become a doctor. You will become famous. You're going to go to the high court and take your own country to court because they're going to challenge you on your passwords. Right? Infamous. Infamous. Yes. Yes. Okay. Pretty, no, but, pretty, but, but, pretty. Yeah. That's the word you use for yourself. <laughs> so I'm just going back to but, that. Uh, no, to be to 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 no kind of problem to be famous brother, in the for dunya. For the sake of, what about if he's saying I want to be the next Yasser Qadi so I can teach Islam to many people? Impact. So your your actual aim, the monk said. The end goal Mashallah, is... Mashallah, I like his husnudhan that he wants to find yeah. the proper... Okay, alhamdulillah. If that, then I would say aim higher. Yeah. Why are you Wouldn't making... Yeah. more famous. Yeah. You exactly. want to be the next Omar Suleiman. <laughs> Mashallah. By the way, tell him he owes me royalties. <laughs> Mashallah. using the name. <laughs> but I mean, uh, a lot of young du'at now, they're coming back from Medina, Azhar, these universities, and they genuinely feel that you have to build a social media profile. And mm-hmm. they, I, mean, they I have feel spoken to the to, to students of Medina, and I have said, it is mm. a mistake of the highest magnitude to get involved in social media when you're still a minor talibul yeah. You need to study and study and study. You need to read, go to halaqat and durus. Now is not mm. the time to do anything other than study. Absorb what you have. Of course, with the caveat that. Don't make that the final and end all. You know, I've already said this, that that's a version of Islam yeah. and come back and broaden your horizons. But you still have to go through that version. You wouldn't mm. be effective if you're already thinking about social media and you're a first year student in Sharia. doesn't work that way. You and need and to, you'd you be know. much less likely to progress yourself because if you publish something out there, it's much harder to then... When you maybe mature in your view, exactly. it's very hard to go back and delete those... Sections from so those. look at the look at the people that have in, in look at academia in the Western world. Mm. You don't start publishing papers in the first year. You start publishing papers in your PhD level. You go through years and years of study. You don't start that early on. So mm. definitely, people should not even have a Facebook account to give da'wah when they're still in a first year stage. We've seen the disaster of do it yourself du'at, especially in here in, in mm. this part of the world, right? Yeah. People get a little bit of knowledge and then that's it. They just start. It's okay, he's learned his lesson. Yeah, we LinkedIn, we'll link, LinkedIn's my, my, my media profile now, bro. Yeah, he's, he's a bit up there. He's not, he doesn't. MashaAllah. Yeah, no, no, a little bit of knowledge yeah. is a very dangerous thing. Mm. It's true. You've been consistent in that message, Sheikh, I have to say, Alhamdulillah, over the last few years, um, mm. definitely. But in terms of. Why are you okay. saying it like that? No, no. That, that, that's the thing you've been consistent in. <laughs> well, yeah, no, Sheikh's always, I think, I've got to say, I mean, I used to go to Sheikh's classes mm. back back in the day, and he's always said that the, the more he's, back in the, the more you've studied, the more you realise how little mm. you've known. And that's good, it's, it's, alhamdulillah. And um, spending time with you in, in private, I can say, alhamdulillah, there's a consistency. Unfortunately, mm. we spend time with some people, and there's a difference between private and public life, but alhamdulillah, may Allah allow you to amen. bring life to your words. Amen, amen. Um, but the other point is about personal worship, Sheikh. Even for the one who is studying, has the knowledge, and now he's been put on a platform, whether he desired it or not, he's been put on a platform. What sort of uh, tools can that person use to then really 
keep themselves in check? A number well? of things. First and foremost, obviously, every single person, without exception, and especially those that are uh, in the public life, they need to have an extra dose of personal dhikr and Quran and worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They need to have private good deeds that no one knows about other than Allah. This is essential for every single person and especially for those that have been put on a pedestal. Also of the things that need to be done is lots of dua for ikhlas. Lots of dua. Mm. You know, Abu Bakr as-Siddiq asked the Prophet about showing off. Think yeah. about that. Abu Bakr as-Siddiq, what dua should I make? And this is one of the few hadith that is in Bukhari that is narrated by Abu Bakr as-Siddiq and the Prophet Beautiful, oh, right? Something. About the, 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 the cleansing of riyah from the heart, right? Oh Allah, forgive the shirk that I know under uh, I seek refuge from the shirk that I don't know. This is the mm. cleansing of the heart. That's the second thing. Ask Allah for qalbin salim. Ask Allah for pure heart. The the third thing is to surround yourself with a group of peers, 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 so. and mm. friends and family who have known you from before, <laughs> and they'll put you in check. Yeah. They'll yeah. put you in check. Nothing like the they'll, misses. Do they'll do your best, basically. <laughs> Nothing like the misses. I thank Allah subhanahu wa taala for having blessed me with my life partner, who always puts me in check. I say this many times. She is my Khadija. She is somebody who. Uh, has always put me in check and obviously she's my number one critic more than my number one fan which mm. is very important to put me in check because she knew me when before even I went to Medina mm. right so to see somebody like that and now she can see now what has happened and whatnot so she always Alhamdulillah, whenever there's reason for criticism, <laughs> yeah. which is very common for some reason amongst the, you know, so, okay. She'll, she'll be very frank and Alhamdulillah. Yeah. So this is, and also, you know, friends, I have friends from uh, back in the day before I went to Medina even, and in the Medina phase, I still have friends when I was an undergraduate. Some of them are your teachers mm -hmm. now, Alhamdulillah. So, you know, it's nice to be in touch with them and they also contextualize and, mm. and, and keep you in check. These are the three things that I can Asana. suggest, inshallah. Good advice. Uh, I'm conscious of time because you have to uh, shoot off for your lecture. Um, just briefly, what are you going to be talking about today at the men conference? Uh, the talk will center. It's going to be. It's going to be titled uh, in in quotes. We don't do God. Do you remember that quote? Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Right. Alistair Campbell, Campbell said this to oh, okay. Tony Blair. Right? I knew that. <laughs> the guy you shook hands with. Yeah. Well, the guy I oh. took a class <laughs> with. Yeah. Yes, my <laughs> sheikh, according to. <laughs> what was that noise again? That was a. Hadouken! Hadouken. <laughs> From an arcade game, Sheikh. <laughs> He's pretending like he doesn't know. Yeah, you know, know the yoga flames. Right. No, I have no Sonic idea what the yoga flames are. No Stop idea. I think you're a different generation than me. I think yeah, you're younger so. than me. Yeah. You know, you know, I grew up playing Atari, actual Atari. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a totally one. different You How old are you, 27? Like what? Yes. <laughs> yeah, just about. In some yeah. circles. <laughs> Bro, I go yeah. back, okay? So, yeah, yes, them. the original Atari, Yara's Revenge, oh, these Tetris, classic Tetris games. Is well, yeah. Yeah. Ah, Tetris is like Tetris that. Tetris is new. <laughs> exactly. With blocks in real life. <laughs> exactly, yes, exactly. <laughs> what was the question again? So, the talk is about... Um, Balancing uh, between about, faith uh, and politics, basically, like okay. you know, how to be a faithful Muslim in the political <coughs> realm, and balancing activism with our theology and, and methodology. Again, to mm. what level of quote unquote compromise, or is there no compromise? I mean, these are some of the things I'll be raising today, inshallah. Okay. Just a very last question, Sheikh. You've now um, left, and I think left sounds like quite a strong word, Al Maghrib, because you're working with the uh, Islamic, Islamic Seminary. Seminary. Yeah. Yeah. What does the Islamic Seminary of America do? Uh, so uh, the Islamic Seminary of America This is uh, coming uh, This is realizing a dream of mine For the last 15 years You've heard about this mm. from my own mouth Many many years ago I've always wanted to be a part of An institute of higher education Essentially uh, a western seminary 
where we bring together some of these issues I'm talking about, which is the classical tradition along with modern, you know, contemporary issues and merge them together in a syllabus, the likes of which does not exist anywhere in the Muslim world. Mm. And this has been my vision, alhamdulillah, for the last 15 years. And uh, first I thought maybe through the institute I was with, we can do that. But yani, Allah, and I have nothing but love and respect for the institute that I was a part of. And they're all my friends still. And there's no, and some people are thinking, what are the politics behind it? No, there's nothing, yeah. absolutely nothing. It's just a different phase of my life. Now we need to now move on. They have a role to play and I wish them all the best. But I am now moving on to a different phase where we're founding an actual institute, a physical institute based in Dallas, Texas, where people can come and study for master's level accredited uh, programs, get a master's in theology, master's in divinity. We have a number of tracks, one of them being Islamic studies. There's also counseling. There's also nonprofit management. These are the three main mm. tracks that we have. Good. So I'm obviously the more interested in the Islamic studies one. And the goal really is that student, uh, we're starting with the master's. Inshallah, 10, 15 years, we'll have bachelor's and PhD. We're starting oh. with the master's level. The goal really is that people get a good understanding of the classical tradition along with some of the issues being raised in modernity. I'll give you an example. Yeah. The first class I'm teaching is going to be the sciences of the Quran, ulum al-Quran. Mm. Now, for this class, we're not just going to study the traditional sciences. For example, my book that I wrote 23 years ago, which is the standard book of, let's say, the standard uh, topics, let's say, ulum al-Quran, asbab al-nuzul, tafsir, this and that. It's not just that. We're also going to then bring in, okay, what are some of the issues that come with the preservation of the Qur'an? What are some of these contemporary academics talking about when they talk about manuscripts, the Sana'a manuscript, right? Yeah. The Sana'a Palim said, this new discovery. Uh, what are the theories that people have about, you know, maybe even uh, uh, Burton's theory or Wandsborough has this really bizarre Luxembourg, another name. People have no clue that there are some serious arguments that are being raised mm. that seem to have some solid evidence behind them. And the first time Muslims ever hear them, they're, they're very confused because it, there are some very interesting ideas that seem to have basis upon mm. them, right? So how can we then approach this? Also the issue of sources, the issue of methodology, the issue of overlap between certain stories in the Quran that seem to reflect Greco-Roman mythologies. Most Muslims are not aware of those. In this class, we'll discuss them. Okay. Because the argument that is being done is that Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah, yani the Prophet got these stories from these Greco-Roman mythologies. Mm. And they'll show them that, look, in the year 500, this was a common myth. Okay, the Quran being the yes. most obvious yeah, one, yeah. right? And they will prove it that this is a common myth, and then we find it in the Quran and whatnot. How do you ex respond yeah. to this thing? Yeah. These are questions that you'll never hear about in most seminaries in the in the Eastern world because they have never read the very people the that are writing about this, right? Shubuhat, uh, of More importantly, here. is methodology than the specifics. More importantly, we need to teach our students how to think. Because stuff like that isn't that, hasn't that been an ancient kind of criticism? As of course it has been, but to connect the dots. Mm. Yeah. You can't just say, oh, the Quran says, as how do you then demonstrate that? I don't want to get too detailed because, mm. again, the yeah. problem comes when you give the shubuhat out and then you don't respond to it. You know, yeah. So mm. let, me just say, <laughs> let me just say there are some serious issues mm. that are raised that will require us to pause and rethink through some of these simplistic answers that we just gave and we were satisfactory to the average person, they're not going to be satisfactory to the academic, any Muslim academic. Because yeah. the Muslim academic will see through your simplistic response as being a cop-out. And many times it is. Mm. So we need to teach our students to be ready to take on these challenges in the modern world. Does this mean that you're not going to be doing any structured courses in the UK anymore? Or is it only through the seminary or can yeah. we hope that you'll come 
and teach here. You know, there's no immediate plan to give structured courses traveling. Around. That's the Maghrib model. And it was very tiring for me. Very tiring. I'm one person. I can't travel to 50 cities continuously. It's just too much. I'm also, believe it or not, I'm a, I am getting older. I know it, you wouldn't really? think that, but yeah. <laughs> this white hair here, it's like yeah, it's... Sure. Yeah. So I cannot continue to travel and, and teach these intensive weekend seminars. I need to now <laughs> settle down and have people come and do this. Of course, uh, the seminary is going to start off with a hybrid model of online and on-site, yeah. which means some classes will be online, then you have to fly in for weekend sessions in on-site. Because we understand that in the beginning, you, you can't just expect students to come full-time. But within a few years, we hope to have the actual campus. In the meantime, yes, indeed, allow me for a free plug. You can take the class online. Mm, you know, It's going to be possible to take it online. Uh, but if you want credit for it, you will have to fly in for two weekends every semester. So okay. every, every five months, two weekends, you have to come in and physically attend so that we have the one-on-one -on -one as well. Alhamdulillah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we've <laughs> lost track of time. Alhamdulillah, had uh, hope you enjoyed uh, the conversation. Hope you joined uh, watching, dear brothers and sisters at home. Uh, for more information, we'll put some links uh, in the description, inshallah. Zakallah khair again for Sheikh Zakallah khair uh, for uh, joining Zakla us. Um, and uh, I've been your ho one of your hosts, Salman Bhat. This is and Omar Suleiman. Yeah. If you like the podcast, give it a like and a share. Um, if you didn't like it, then uh, uh, write a PDF. Yeah. Write a PDF again. Put the abuse on Sheikh Yasser's page. Yeah. We'll <laughs> give you his email address. <laughs> He's uh, used to it. He's used to the criticism. Very <laughs> used to it. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> <We're not. laughs> Alhamdulillah. Yeah, we have very fragile egos. So. Uh, yeah, Jazakallah Khairan. And uh, see you next time. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum.